This episode is brought to you by Folgers Coffee. You're not just any coffee drinker. You're a Folgers Coffee drinker. Because for over 170 years, Folgers has been serving up expertly crafted brews that are bold, never bougie. And now there's over 20 varieties to choose from. Damn good coffee roasted in New Orleans. Damn right, it's Folgers. Visit FolgersCoffee.com slash coffee to shop now. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Well, it got to be Friday again. Just like that, it gets to be Friday every week. Hello, everyone. I am Don McDonald. Welcome to the Friday edition of Talking Real Money, which means I'm going to answer your questions. Yes, just me. Fridays, it's just me. Oh, by the way, Saturday, it'll just be me, too. I'm spending the day alone answering your questions on the radio in Seattle, but you can listen in anywhere in the country. Just go to one of the online apps or go to TalkingRealMoney.com and scroll down. You can listen. You can also, though, on Saturdays, every Saturday, call with your questions live. Actually, Talk with me one-on-one, live at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. So on Saturday, call us, but particularly on Saturday, June 24th, which also happens to be my birthday. So see, it all works out. So you can spend, you can spend my birthday with me. All right, well, let's... Um, Let's get to the question, shall we? These questions came in not from the phone, but the newfangled way, via technology. You can go to TalkingRealMoney.com, and you can record your questions. You just hit the contact form and go to the little mic button, and you can record them through the microphone on your phone, through a microphone hooked up to your computer, your iPad, your tablet, your whatever it might be, and then I answer them on Fridays. And uh, we've got, I think, five today. And, uh, of course, I'm going to save a few questions because I'm on a almost three-week-long vacation in July, going to uh, fly across the Atlantic to London, catch a cruise with Disney out of Southampton, cruise to uh, France and Iceland and Norway and Denmark, So uh, I'll be gone for a little while, but you'll hear me still because I'm saving your questions. So keep calling in with them uh, at 855-935-TALK, but also ask them, speak them through our app at TalkingRealMoney.com. It's that easy. Now, let's get to our first question, shall we? Hey, it's James from Virginia again. I had a question about uh, my taxable brokerage account and what's used for my small cap uh, investment there. In my Roth, I have AVUV. In my 401k, I have VSIAX. Uh, for the taxable account, is there any benefit to using an account such as VTMSX, which is the tax manage uh, small cap uh, from Vanguard? That account, from what I gather, essentially doesn't have REITs in it, and it maybe holds on to some of the investments that might spill out of that uh, index. I know Vanguard flushes their some of their capital gains and and does other things for tax efficiency. Uh, so even though it's a mutual fund, uh, it's kind of acts like an ETF. Uh, but I was wondering if this extra step would be worth it. 
or if I should just, uh, you know, use a VUV or um, just a normal uh, Vanguard uh, value. Thanks. Well, thanks for uh, asking another question. Uh, we're getting into those proverbial weeds again, where we're 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 quibbling over potential fractions of a percent, because the taxable difference. Let's just stick with that for a minute. The taxable difference between AVUV and uh, the Vanguard tax managed small cap should be and we're talking about the future, should be negligible to even non-existent. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. I really wouldn't. Um, I think you've, I think you're doing fine. In a taxable account, if you want small cap value, then I would probably stick with ETFs, ETFs only, um, because you can do small cap value. But would I have a problem with VTMSX, the, the tax-managed small cap? No, it's a fine fund with very low fees, and uh, it's going to give you tax advantages. But I don't think the tax advantage is going to be any greater than it would be with a comparable ETF. So, weeds. Overthinking. We do tend to do that. We could, we, could, we could waste our time doing so many other things, but we overthink our portfolios. <laughs> Thanks for being there. And remember, you can call 855-935-TALK or ask your questions at TalkingRealMoney.com. Good morning, Don. A big thank you for being such an educator and exposing the industry tactics on things that only benefit the seller, not the purchaser. My question today is, what are your thoughts on holding a real estate investment ETF in a taxable account. Would the ETF benefits eliminate the tax inefficiency of purchasing a REIT mutual fund in a taxable account? I found out the hard way you do not want to own an REIT mutual fund in your taxable account. Always appreciate your words of wisdom and education. Keep up the wonderful work. We need you. You're welcome, and thanks for the kind comments. Um, I think when you said you learned a lesson, you were talking about buying a REIT mutual fund in a taxable account because they can have these massive surprise capital gains distributions. However, I would suggest against owning any REIT product, any real estate product in a taxable account, even a REIT ETF. Because while the REIT ETF lacks the surprise potential of capital gains distributions, it still is... And tends to be an income generator. It, real estate tends to be an income generator. I, I check the, uh, the, the Vanguard uh, REIT ETF, and last year I think it paid out about 4.5% in income, which would all be taxable. Better that be sheltered in your tax-advantaged accounts if you have them. If you don't have them, get them. Do a backdoor Roth if you're not eligible for a regular Roth. Because it's a nice place to park asset classes that tend to distribute more taxable things, like real estate. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't own it. I wouldn't own it in a regular account unless it you had no other choice, no place else to park it, and you need real estate as part of your balance. But generally speaking, that extra income is going to smack you anyway. Again, 
Drop your questions. You can write them, too, at TalkingRealMoney.com, or you can speak them like this. Hey, Tom and Don. This is Jeff from Wisconsin. Uh, I have a question uh, about my Roth IRA and the investments that I currently have in it. I'm following the Paul Merriman uh, 50-50 S&P 500, uh, 50% small cap value, um, and currently have both of the Avantis uh, funds, the uh, Avantis U.S. Equity, AVUS, and the Avantis small cap value, AVUV. I've noticed, though, over the last year that AVUS is significantly underperforming the other alternative recommendations, including DFUS, VOO, VTI, um, underperforming by about 4% over the last year. So I'm wondering why that is. Uh, Should I continue with this strategy or consider some of these alternative funds? Thank you very much for your thoughts. Well, you're, you're doing something you probably shouldn't be doing first, and that is watching. <laughs> you're watching too much. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. AVUS has dramatically underperformed all those ETFs that you mentioned, but should you change? There is the question. Um, and the reality is, I don't think you should. Um, here's the thing, the only fair comparison, and I'm surprised it's as, um, unusual as it is. I'll tell you why in a minute is between AVUS and DFUS. AVUS and DFUS are both supposed to be tilted toward more value stocks and more small cap. Um, but you're right. AVUS in the past, well, year to date has underperformed by about 6% underperformed, uh, DFUS, which is pretty substantial. So why, why? Well, I'm not sure why the portfolio is what it is, but according to Morningstar, DFUS right now is more growth and large cap tilted than is AVUS. In other words, AVUS sticks with the strategy more. Um, And that's the point. When you adopt a strategy that is based on really solid academic research, and I, I, I can tell you Paul's work is robust. He, he's good at this, and he has good people helping him. You don't mess with it just because it doesn't work for a while. Because often small in value, have extended underperformance periods, and it's so tempted to follow the leaders. And that's exactly what you'd be doing because this is a unique market. We have seen a bull market, if that's what you want to call it, that has been almost entirely influenced by a handful of high-profile technology companies. And all of the other funds you mentioned, or ETFs you mentioned, DFUS, VOO, VTI, you know, the S&P 500, the total market index, uh, those funds have more money invested in those big names, the NVIDIAs, the Apples, the big cap growth-oriented stocks that have walloped the rest of the market. I mean, the other 99% of the market. So you'd just be following, and following is not good. 
So stick with your portfolio, rebalance regularly, and as I mentioned before, quit looking. Once a year, look. That's all. Once a year, then go do other stuff. Thank you so much for the call. Now it's time for another question. Good day, gentlemen. My former employer has downsized in May, and I was unfortunately caught up in it at the age of 67, and thus are now employed, and I'm not considering going back to work. I used a couple of the funds that they offered from Fidelity, which were the 2020 target date fund and the 2025 target date fund. But I've requested all my funds be sent from Fidelity to Vanguard, where I already maintain a brokerage account, a Roth account, and a traditional account. The total amount I'm having transferred is $160,000, $120,000 of it being in a traditional account, 40000 of it being in a Roth account. Now, I've really not been happy with either Fidelity or Vanguard target date fund returns for this year. So I'm looking at other options. Uh, As I mentioned, I do hold some funds already at Vanguard, that being BND, a large portion, comma, uh, VTI, VXUS, and for small value, a little bit of AVUV. Now, mid-year, I see that if you're looking at Morningstar, VEA has looked pretty good mid-year, and VOO has looked pretty good on the equity side of things. And I'm considering purchasing some positions in those funds. like to know what your thoughts are on this. And as a final question, when I do decide to start withdrawing money out of all of my funds, I understand that I should probably start drawing money from the traditional funds versus the Roth. Is that correct? Because I do have a disproportional amount of money in a traditional account as I do a Roth account. Thank you for your comments and appreciate the work you do. I am so sorry to hear you got downsized out. So did my daughter not too long ago. It stinks. Um, but the, the good news is you were nearing retirement anyway, as you know, and uh, hopefully you've got some other assets off of which you can live so you can continue to delay Social Security. So that number gets bigger, a lot bigger between 67 and 70, a lot bigger. Um, live off your assets if you can. And you're right. Take them first from the regular IRA. However, I think there's a theme developing here. And that is the theme of unhappiness with the current situation. There will always be times when you're unhappy with the current situation. I have been unhappy with my portfolio for the last couple of years. Have I changed it? No, No, I haven't. I haven't changed the allocation. I'm still 70-30. I'm still value-oriented. Yes, have I missed out? But you know what? I don't pay that much attention. I think it's a huge mistake to pay that much attention. Target date funds are designed for sheer simplicity. That is their only reason for existing. They are not 
going to give you some of the asset class tilts that we'd like to see, which is why having an AVUV added to a portfolio that's in target date products might make sense. But why you would go with BND and VTI and all those others when it just makes portfolio management more complicated, well, I, I don't know. I don't know why you'd want to do that unless you are confident, and I, I'm not feeling the, that, you, that you really are, uh, unless you are confident that you will stick with a strict discipline, think about that, and you will always rebalance based on your need and tolerance for risk on a regular basis, come hell or high water, bad markets are good, doesn't matter, you'll do it. If you won't do it, then stick with Vanguard's target date funds. Maybe you kick the maturities up five years. You go with 2025 and 2030. That'll make the portfolios a little a little bit more aggressive. And you could add a little AVUV to add a value tilt for the longer-term future, a little tiny bit. But uh, it will make your portfolio more volatile, and AVUV will have some terrible times in the future. It will. So, um, again, back to the John Bogle advice. When it comes to your portfolios, don't peak. And what he means is don't pay too much attention. And let's do the final call of the podcast. My name is Rick. I keep a lot of money in cash because I'm building a house over the next six to eight months. I currently keep the money in CDs or interest-bearing accounts or T-bills that are one month duration or less. I wonder if there's any better place to keep my money. I have to have it available to spend on my building project over the next six to eight months. I'd appreciate your answering that question. Thank you. Bye. What to do with cash? Well, um, for immediate liquidity, you can't beat the high-yield savings accounts out there. Uh, I haven't looked at the latest numbers, but uh, let's do that. Um, they're, they're still pretty high. High-yield savings is, uh, let's see, who's the, who's the best these days? Well, we've got about four point. Ooh, wait, there's one. CIT Bank, which is a consumer lender. Wow. They're paying 4.95% right now with a $5,000 minimum. Basque Bank, which we've talked about before, 4.85 with no minimum. You could also add in some very short-term CDs. I saw three- and six-month CDs in the secondary market at Schwab just a few days ago at over five. And then you could use those as they mature to replenish your cash fund to pay the bills for the construction of the house. So that's probably what I would do. I would put enough for the next three to six months in the high-yield savings and then maybe get a three-month CD and a six-month CD on the secondary market through a brokerage firm like Schwab or Fidelity or whomever because they are offering the best rates right now. They are doing it. So do it. Thank you. Good luck with your house. Thank you all for being a part of the podcast. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you. I really, truly do. I'm so glad you're out there. Now, I appreciate you 
But there are a lot of people I make mad, and I am proud of the fact that I make them mad. I make people who believe in individual stock ownership mad. I make people who tell you that things like cryptocurrency that make absolutely no sense are somehow going to make you money. I make people who sell gold mad. And I love making people who sell products and don't disclose all the fees and all the commissions and all the downside and all the potential problems to you. I would have no problem with people charging 15% commissions if they wanted, as long as they told everybody from the first second they spoke with you that, by the way, before we go any further, I'm charging a 15% commission to you. That means if you give me a million dollars, I'm going to take 150000 away. If they just said that, then, hey, you knew what you were getting into. My issue is not with how much people make. It is with how they make it. It is with the lies they tell, either flat out fibs or lies by omission that they tell to make a living. I do not begrudge anyone an honest living. The problem I have is with the dishonest livings that are obtained by so many, particularly in this business. So all of you out there who sell products and uh, make commissions and sell insurance investments and all that stuff, I have no problem with you. It's with what you do and how you do what you do. As a matter of fact, I would praise you to the rafters if someone called me and said, I just talked to my insurance agent. They were selling me an indexed annuity, and they told me, that they were going to put me in a $100,000 indexed annuity and they were going to make $9,000. They told me that right out front. I would go, wow, oh, what a good soul this is. But they don't do that. <laughs> so so I, I'm fine with making all of you mad. I just don't really care because the people that I want to see taken care of are your clients. Tell them the truth. I mean, that's what we do. We sell services. We're an investment advisory firm, but you know what we tell you right up front? Our fees start at 1% per year and go down 2.5% per year when you have over a million dollars invested with it. Here are the services we're going to provide. Here's what you should expect from us. Here's all the stuff. We tell you that all up front. And then you get to make a decision well-informed, knowing exactly what you're getting into. We don't promise anybody we're going to make them a lot of money. Never, never, never. Best, best thing we can do is say, we're probably going to get you the return of the market. That's what we should do. But what we are going to give you is a little bit of peace of mind, and we're going to give you a lot of help. And speaking of help, we also do something that very few others do. Usually when they say, oh, yeah, call me at the office. I'll help you out with a free consultation. That free consultation is just going to give you enough information to, uh, to, uh, to set the hook and to slowly reel you in to a product. Well, that's not what you're going to find with us. Our firm is called Appella Wealth. Our people are honest. 
Do they make mistakes? Sure. Are we going to fix them? Absolutely. But when it comes to meeting with one of our advisors, we truly do offer that to every single one of you. Whether you are, are eligible to be a client, ever will be a client, doesn't matter. We promise we will help you. And we won't push you to become a client. We will not do that. As a partner in the firm, you have my word on that. Call me, call me a liar on the on the radio. Call on Saturday, 855-935-TALK, if, I, if I'm not telling the truth. I know I am, because I know our people, including Tom, who on most Saturdays, except for when he's on vacation, like tomorrow, will also just sit down and talk to you about your portfolio. I, on the other hand, am too busy editing stuff, so <laughs> I, I don't do that. I'd rather just talk to you here. So thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank you for telling your friends. Thank you for doing the right things with your money and making good decisions and helping your family. And please tell other people. That is the best way to get this word out. And this word is so important because everybody should be doing what we're doing. They should be telling you the truth when they're talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment tax or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.